Chapter 8, The Roamer and the Bike Several days passed. Poppy would get a little better and then a little worse, and Lena and Mrs. Murdo stayed with her nearly all the time, putting cool rags on her forehead and trying to get her to drink the medicine the doctor gave her. When Mrs. Myrtle wasn't caring for Poppy, she was prowling around the medicine room, inspecting the doctor's jumbled collection of herbs and potions and powders, making notes of the tiny notebook and rearranging things, trying to create some order. Dr. Hester was often gone, seeing patients in the village, and when she was in the house, she was doing ten things at once, or trying to, and being interrupted by patients who came to the door at all hours. It seemed to Lena that the people of Sparks were constantly cutting themselves, spraining their muscles, getting rashes, or falling ill. The doctor would give them medicine or bandage their wounds, and a few days later, the patients would bring something in return. A basket of eggs, a jar of pickles, a bag of clean rags. Lena had never seen anyone so disorganized as the doctor. She peeked into the medicine room once when the doctor was out and was amazed at the clutter in there. Shelves and cupboards and tables piled high with stuff in bottles, stuff in boxes, stuff in jars, all higgly-piggly. How Dr. Hester found anything, she couldn't even imagine. It took the doctor a couple of days even to get organized enough to figure out how Lena could help her. But when she did, she began giving her one chore after another, and sometimes several all at once, but then forgetting that Lena didn't know how to do them. Could you go and water the asparagus, she'd say. Then before Lena could ask what asparagus was, or where to find it, or where to put the water in, she would say, and then you go rip up some of those rags in the kitchen baskets and cut them into strips for bandages. And when you've done that, maybe you could wipe the floor in the medicine room. I spilled something the other day. I think it was over by the window. And the chickens. The chickens need to be fed. Then she'd be out the door, leaving Lena to remember all of the things that she had said in a jumbled order. Everything here seemed extremely inconvenient to Lena. To get water, you had to go outside, to the gate, to a pump, and work in a staple hand up and down. Then you'd have to go, in order to go to the bathroom, you'd have to go out in the back of the house to a little smelly shed. There was no light at night except for candles. And at first she thought she was, there was no stove to cook on. Oh yeah, the doctor said, that's the stove over there. Pointed to the thing like a black iron barrel in the corner of the kitchen. I hardly use it though. When she did want to cook something, boil a pot of water or cook to cook an egg, for instance, or even make tea, the doctor had to squat down, stuff some gray grass into the twigs, into the stove's belly, and set it afire. Sometimes she'd use match, sometimes she hit what looked like two rocks together until they made a spark and caught fire. Then she had to feed in bigger and bigger twigs until the fire finally was big enough. This kind of fire seemed fairly safe to Lena, though she didn't like to get too close to it. One day, a week or so after Lena first came to the doctor's house, a patient came with news to tell as well as a wound to bind. She was a scrawny young woman with brownish teeth. She had a black scratch on her wrist where she had scraped where she had scraped it against some rusty wire. There's a roamer in the village, she said, just arrived this morning. What's a roamer? Lena asked. The doctor, trying to put the rag around the patient's wrist, said, Roamers go out into the empty lands and they bring things back, like from old places, the ruined places. My brother Casper's a roamer, said Torin, and when I'm old enough, I'm going to be one too. This was the first time Lena had seen and sensed real happiness in Torin. His eyes shone with hope. That sounds exciting. Is it dangerous? Oh, yeah. 
Sometimes you run into other roamers who try to get the same things you get, and you have to act like bandits. You have to fight them off. Casper carries a whip. A whip? Yeah, a great long cord. It's long as this room. And if people get close, he lashes it. Whoosh, he says. Now stop that, said the doctor, absently trying to finalize the knot in the rag. The patient left, and Lena and the doctor and Torn, along with Mrs. Murdo, carrying Poppy, went down to the market plaza to see the roamer. A crowd had assembled in the plaza. Lena looked for Dune, but she didn't see him. She saw only a few Emberites. In fact, most of them had been working in other places. But a great many villagers were there, clustered around a big truck. I have been in the far north, the woman cried out in a shrilling voice, out in the remote corners of the empty lands. I have traveled roads where no human being has been for weeks on end. And in these distant regions, I came across houses and farms that have never before been searched. I have treasures for you. Step up and look. The crowd pressed forward. Apparently, this rumor was known to the villagers. Some people called out greetings and questions. Did you bring us writing paper this time, Mackie? What about seeds? What about tools and matches? And cloth. I'm so tired of wearing this homemade patchwork. I have all that and more, the woman cried out. Come close, special things first. She bent over an open crate and rummaged around for a moment. Then she stood up holding a blackened iron cooking pot. What am I offered? She said, lifting it up. Half a bushel of apricots, a bushel of peas, cornmeal. The woman listened and listened and listened. Finally, a woman with black hair had offered five loaves of apricot cornbread. Done, she said, and she passed the pan to the woman. For the next special item that the roamer brought, she reached into the big cardboard box. She brought out a smaller box of colored blue, and she held it up high. Soap flakes, 24 boxes of them. Dozens of people bid for these. What will you do with them? Lena finally asked someone next to her. People got their water from longhand pumps, and they stood at certain spots in the village. No one had indoor running water. Well, I'm going to turn them upside down. They'll make good candle holders, said the woman. When the roamer brought out a handful of jewels, Lena gasped. She'd never seen such things, necklaces and bracelets made of beautiful stones and silver chains, but only a few people seemed really interested in them. If my wife doesn't want them, a gentleman said, I'll use them to pretty up my oxen. The roamer brought out the last of her wares, packets of paper, a bunch of bobby pins, some spoons and forks, and the doctor stepped up to buy a small glass bottle. Dr. Hester, good to see you, the rumor said. And you too, Mackie. It's been a long time. I was hoping you would be here. I ran into your nephew the other day. Casper, cried Torn. where is he? Where is he? Oh, he was up in the apple country. I told him I was coming down here. He said to tell you he'd be heading for home soon. Is that right? Said the doctor. She was clearly not nearly as excited as Torn has been. We haven't seen him in quite a while. One year, 10 months, and 19 days, said Torrin. When will he be here, did he say? Should be soon. I'd guess within the next two weeks or so. When the Romer's sail was over, Lena walked home along the river road with the doctor and Mrs. Murdo and Poppy, who was asleep in Mrs. Murdo's arms. Torrin leapt ahead and his thin legs splaying out sideways. He bounced and jumped and swung from side to side. As they neared the doctor's house, Torrin, who was way ahead of them by now, suddenly turned around and raced back. You have to get out of our room, 
he said to Lena and Mrs. Myrtle. My brother will want his own room. He'll want to be with me. You all have to move. Fine, Lena said. We will. We'll go live with our own people as soon as Poppy's well enough. Good, said Torn. When are you leaving? Not today, said Lena. Not right this minute. But soon, cried Torn, and he skipped ahead again. The doctor said not to mind Torn. He was being rude because he was so excited. But it seemed to Lena that Dr. Hester didn't see clearly when it came to Torn. He wasn't rude just when he was excited. He was just rude all the time. The doctor was preoccupied with her work that she hardly even noticed him. He was awful, and Lena would be glad to get away from him. Two weeks, she thought. Then we'll meet Casper, the great. And if Poppy wasn't well by then, Torn can have his room back anyway, and we'll go and live with Dune and all the others. Now and then, Lena saw people on wheels going by on the road in front of the doctor's house. The only wheeled vehicles she had ever seen was heavy wooden carts and ember. But these people were riding beautiful, slender devices, two big wheels per person. She wanted to do it so badly. What are those? She finally asked. Bikes, of course. You've never seen one? No, said Lena. I wish I could ride one. Well, you can if you want, said the doctor. There's an old one out behind the tool shed. I suppose it still works. There is? May I get it now? I guess so. But would you mind watering the parsley first? And if you could just shell out these peas and maybe wash the spinach? Lena did all of these tasks in a fever of impatience, and when she was finished, she dashed out to the shed. She found the bike. It was dirty and housed with a brush of cobwebs and dried leaves and a bit of grass all over it. She cleaned it up and then swung one leg over and seated herself. Now what? She thought. She spent the rest of the morning figuring it out. She pushed on the pedals, rolled forward, tipped over sideways, had her put her feet down. Then she rolled forward again, but didn't know how to turn. She fell off. She heaved the bike upright and tried again. She fell off again. After an hour of doing this, she kind of gave up, and she just went inside. Later, when she tried again, something had changed. She had the feel of it now, in her legs, or somewhere. She rolled forward, she put a foot on the pedal and pushed, and she rolled even farther. All of a sudden, her body understood what to do. It was like she was sailing. She rode forward with her mouth open in amazement. By the end of the day, she had it. She could ride back and forth on the road, and she could stop whenever she wanted to. I'm going to go see Dune, she told Mrs. Murdo. She was longing to see Dune and longing to talk to someone she really knows. Mrs. Murdo was fine, of course, but she was a grown-up. Lena wanted to be with a friend. She went to the plaza and asked someone directions. Then she found the hotel. When she got there, she stopped for a moment just to stare. The enormous old building looked to her like a wonderful place to live. She felt a sudden longing to have her own room there and to be with her friends and neighbors. It was nearly 11 by then. People were sitting on the lobby steps, getting the last rays of the setting sun, eating their dinners with their food parcels talking. Some were down by the river cooling their feet. Others were by the farthest wing of the hotel, and a few boys were gathered around another boy who was sitting by a fallen tree and talking to them. Maybe Dune was over there. She wheeled her bike towards them. The ground here was too rough and weedy to ride on. But she was happy and called out to people that she knew. When she got closer to the group of boys, she saw that Dune was among them. He and a couple of others were listening to that tall, dark-haired boy. What was his name? Trig? Trigger, she thought. Um, had he been that guy that had pulled the cart back in Ember? He laughed as she came up. 
like a ringing, confident laugh, and all the other boys laughed too. She went up behind Dune and tapped him on the shoulder. Look, Dune, I've got a bike. Oh, he seemed astonished to see her. Lena, come and talk to me, she said. His eyes shifted towards the tall boy, but he didn't move. Okay, come on, Lena said, tugging his jacket. They walked down towards the river, and Lena leaned the bike against a tree. What a huge place. What's it like? Poppy is getting a little bit better. Maybe in a couple weeks we could come and live here too, with you and with everyone else. Hmm, that would be good, Dune said. It's kind of lonely at the doctor's house. There's a boy there who doesn't like us. And the doctor gives me a million chores. Today we saw a roamer. A roamer? She explained what a roamer was, and Dune listened. But she saw that his eyes kept veering back to the group of boys. Who is that boy, she said. The one who's talking. Oh, that's Tick Hassler. Lena turned around and looked at him. He was very handsome, she thought. Is he a friend of yours? Sort of. I mean, I'm just getting to know him. Oh, do you know which room Lizzie's in? Dune said he didn't. I don't stay inside very much. It's kind of dark and dismal in there. I like to be outside. Remember when we first saw this land? And remember when we first saw all these beautiful things floating around, like the branches and the trees, when we just come up from Ember? He learned that the things that were floating around were called birds. Then you really start looking at them. You see that there's all different kinds. I've seen ones with yellow chests and ones with stripes on their wings. He gazed upward. It's strange, isn't it? We have all these different kinds. I wonder, is it just for fun? A burst of laughter came from the group of boys around Tick Hassler. Dune glanced over at them. Do you like it here, Dune? In the village of Sparks, I mean? I do. I like it a lot, said Dune. Me too, mostly, said Lena. It sort of worries me that we have to leave in six months. There's so much we need to learn. Well, I guess so, but maybe if we need to leave, I mean, I still wish. Wish what? Oh, I don't know. She was going to say she'd wish she'd found the city that they dreamed of, but she was afraid that Dune might think that was silly. The sun was going down and the shadows grew longer. Show me your room before I have to go, so I'll know where to find you. Oh, I, I can't right now, said Dune, gazing at the boys. The next time you come. All right. Lena got up from the ground and swatted the leaves off her pants. She picked up her bike. I'll see you sometime, she said, and she rode back to the doctor's house, feeling lonelier than she had before she came.